A land of drought and flooding rains indeed. Dorothea McKellar had it right when she wrote those famous words in her poem, My Country, back in 1908, when she was only 19 years old, by the way. Much of Australia has enjoyed rains after what has been years of drought for many people, but we stress that plenty of Australia is unfortunately still struggling through drought and hence waiting for these wonderful rains. But today we hear about releasing sheep from containment or drought feeding and back onto green pasture and the challenges associated with this for both the stock and the country. Welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So there are a lot of specific and detailed resources around containment feeding, releasing sheep from containment, feeding for productivity, feeding pregnant ewes and plenty more at wool.com. But today, let's hear from one of the experts, Dr Gillian Kelly, local land services or LLS district vet based in Canamble in the northwest of New South Wales. And she spoke with AWI's Emily King. Today at the Macquarie MLP Field Day, there's been a number of presentations and I was lucky enough to hear your presentation with one of your colleagues on feeding for reproduction. Obviously, it's a pretty important topic at the moment. Everyone's looking at flock rebuild. Some people have been lucky to get a bit of rain. Um, what are you seeing out in your patch out around the Canamble district in the northwest of New South Wales? Well, this is the first year in a probably the last three years where we've had some promise. It's rained a little bit, so we've got a bit of green pick. And I think people are really keen to let sheep out of confinement and to stop grain feeding as soon as possible and to let sheep out into the paddock. And I know I'm certainly keen for that as well, but um, I'm just erring on the side of caution. I think I've seen people do it too early, um, you know, when the paddocks are just too short and it's too, you know, the feed's just full of water and the stock go backwards. And um, I think it's particularly a risk with um, ewes that are coming into heavy pregnancy and lambing. Um, it's, you know, it just care needs to be taken and um, not only for the stock's point of view, but to care for the country and to allow the, pa- the paddocks to come away and regenerate after such a long dry period. You mentioned there that it's really important to let your pastures come away a little bit. Uh, what sort of height of pasture and density across the paddock would you suggest people wait till the pasture gets to that before they let their stock out of containment feeding? Oh, look, I really think that it depends on your particular situation and your type of grazing country. Um, A very, very rough rule of thumb is, you know, more than 70% ground cover. Um, And if you imagine a stubby beer, a stubby standing up in the paddock um, is a good time to start grazing. But um, we've got this really wonderful tool which we spoke about this morning at the field day um, called the Drought Feeding and Supplementary Feeding um, Calculator, which is an app on your phone. It's a free app. Um, it was just released around Christmas time and um, a lot of people will have had experience with the DPI Drought Feeding Calculator. Well, this is like the newer version and it takes into account pasture and it'll tell you whether the pasture is meeting their needs and, and whether or not you need to supplement on top of the pasture that's available. So it's probably a perfect release time considering that some areas have had rain and have got a little bit of pick. Um, so that's a really great tool that you can use for your specific situation. And the New South Wales Drought and Supplementary Feed Calculator is free for anyone to download from both the Play Store and the App Store, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So... Um, 
quite often when we have had long periods of dry and then we get a bit of rain, we quite often see a few unwanted weeds popping up and a few questions came up today about how you might deal with weeds and some of the issues, for example, nitrate poisoning and that sort of thing. Uh, can you just run me through a few things that you're seeing and what people can do to either manage that or make maybe the weeds not as attractive to the sheep or any tips you've got on that? Yeah, I think um, the key is walk out into your paddock and have a look at what's actually growing. Have a good look down underneath your boots. What we're saying is a lot of the pasture species are probably not that desirable. They're, you know, pigweed and cathead. Um, we've done some um, just some rough um, moisture calculations just in the office through the week and some of the um, those sorts of plants are, you know, running at, just, you know, 75 to 80% moisture. So there's not a lot of goodness in them. A lot of it goes straight through the sheep. The other thing that we're finding is um, particularly the pigweed and the cathead are really high in nitrates. So that's poisonous to stock and it will kill them suddenly. Um, it's really a risk. We really only see it cause a problem when um, stock are let hungry out onto green pick. So we're talking to a lot of producers and really trying to get the advisory messages out that um, if you're yarding sheep for shearing or crutching or drenching, it's really important how you manage those sheep while they're off feed and you know particularly fill their bellies up with hay and um, transition them back onto green feed slowly. Or if you're letting them out of confinement for the first time, um, do it really gently and slowly. Fill them up full of hay in the mornings. Um, make sure they've had a pulpy kidney vaccination and um, yeah, transition them out in the afternoons really slowly and watch them really closely. And so vaccinations take a little while to come up to peak efficacy. How long before I start letting my sheep out of confinement should I pulpy kidney vax my sheep? Oh, I'd really want to do it a week to 10 days prior to letting them out. So, yeah, if you think, you know, particularly it's raining here today, um, if you're getting some of this rain and you're thinking, oh, that might grow some pasture, you really need to be thinking, you know, a week ahead to, to letting stock out. And... If you're doing a you normal know, booster vaccination, doing an annual vax with a six-in-one or five-in-one, for example, uh, that does include pulpy kidney, but you were saying today that sometimes under high-challenge periods, sheep might need a bit of a top-up vaccination. How long, um, how long since the last vaccination um, can you leave it before you really should give them a top-up for that pulpy kidney vax? I, th I think the yearly boosters has been fine while ever they've been on a really continuous drought feeding regime and not much has changed. But I th consider letting sheep eat green grass after three years with no green grass one of the highest challenge situations we could put ourselves in. So if if they haven't had a pulpy kidney booster in the last, you know, oh, six to 12 weeks, I would be giving them a booster. It's really, it's a really cheap insurance policy. So we were also uh, talking outside earlier and I met one of your devotees from your drought smoko groups and so you've been running those every Tuesday for the last three years to help people in your area cope with the situation that they're in that they find themselves in can you just explain to me a bit about how that came about and um, I guess why you set those groups up and you know what you've been doing so I think I think the drought smokers came about out of purely selfish reasons. So when the drought started to get really bad, I think it was early 2018 um, or even earlier than that, I found that I was getting the same question repeatedly on the phone. I was getting, you know, 20 to 30 phone calls a day. I think at that time it was actually people who were wanting to feed cottonseed. And I was getting heaps of phone calls and I thought, I'm repeating the same thing over and over again. It would be much easier if you all came together and we got to talk about this all at once in a group. 
And so um, I announced that every Tuesday morning I'd be in the office and people were very welcome to come in for a cup of tea. I'd cook a cake and we could talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. So it started and it grew and um, it became really um, basically a bit of a tutorial on the fundamentals of feeding and how a rumen works. And, we were, you know, it became trying to set people up for a good drought feeding practice. And... Um, and it also became a social event. So farmers loved coming together. They loved the cup of tea. They loved sharing stories. And oh, 12 or 18 months in, I was finding that I wasn't having to do much anymore. I'd cook the cake, boil the kettle, and then I'd sit back and they'd all talk and solve their own problems together. And people love it. They love the social interaction. It became part of their schedule. And it became, I think, just a bit of mental health relief that they got to socialise, see other people and... Um, you know, feel that they're not alone. There were people sharing stories of what was happening on their farm and sometimes farmers would go home with a completely different outlook or a new set of tools or a new outlook, like something new that they could try on farm um, to make a difference. And it, it, was, it became really powerful. So then they were so popular that I couldn't stop. So we just kept going every Tuesday. And we also did them at pubs and clubs and wool sheds and backyards and all over the Central West. They became really popular. A great part of any group sharing and learning session is often that people within the group bring up things that they'd like to go and have a look at or topics they'd like to speak about. And I understand that uh, quite often people would hear that someone had built a new set of yards or a new shearing shed and everyone wanted to go and take a sticky beak at that. So um, how much of what you ended up speaking about came from the group and what they wanted to talk about? Oh, almost all of it. Uh, yeah, there were people who had... Um you know, people were building drought lots for the first time and they were all trying different things. And, um, you know, I'd have farmers ring me up and say, oh, such and such just built a new drought lot. Can we go and have a look at that next week? Or, um, you know, so we'd then, we'd then arrange it. Or, or a farmer would ring up who'd built a drought lot and said, bring them out here next week, you know, come, come to my place. So it really grew. And I, I think there was a marked change in people's attitudes from being quite guarded and secretive and, and embarrassed a little bit about what was happening on their farm because no one was having a good time. Um, to really being very open about the, you know, the dead sheep or the, the struggles and, you know, the cost of feeding and all those sorts of things. It, it became a very, um, you know, open process. Mm. Now, how to feed and what to feed, particularly pregnant and lactating ewes, uh, is a topic of conversation that goes round and round and round and round in industry. I guess, uh, what are your key tips and tricks uh, for keeping rumen function going and for making sure your pregnant and lactating ewes are getting enough of what they need to get you lambs on the ground? Yeah, I think um, that's vitally important. So over the 10 years I've been in this job, um, you know, out of all of the you know, the causes of lamb losses and, you know, disappearing lambs from scanning to marking. Ewe nutrition is paramount. It's the number one. Um, I think some key things are understand how rumen works, understand what you're doing, and um, you do need to understand a little bit of science for that. So you need to understand what a megajoule of energy is and how many megajoules they need and things like that. I think the best way to do that is to get a good um, livestock nutritionist or vet or advisor, and there's heaps of them about, um, and local land services also has a team of district vets and, and livestock officers and um, land services officers that can help you with that. Um, and then I think um, the second thing is use the tools that are available to you. So the drought feeding calculators and things like that. Do some sums and start to work it out. Do some budgeting and, um, and some planning. Yeah, start to make decisions really early. And um, the power of observation, you know, watch your stock 
get out there and have a look at how they're travelling, um, condition score, shape, um, work out if they're going forwards or backwards. And, um, and yeah, all those little, um, I suppose, the more um, intricate parts of management just come from observing and acting early. So from the drought smokos and I guess what you've um, seen over the past three years, what do you reckon was the best bit about it and what do you really hope to see continue from those drought smokos? Well, from my point of view, the drought smokers actually taught me a lot too because I was hearing what was happening on farm and the innovative ways producers were solving their own problems. So this drought got so bad, a lot of what we were learning and a lot of what I was seeing as a vet is not written in a textbook anyway. You've got to learn it out in a paddock somewhere. So it's been really important from that point of view and I'm trying to write all those learnings down so we've got them for next time, which I hope is a a long way off I hope this rain keeps raining and it truly does break the drought I don't think it's broken yet but I hope that it does um but from the farmer's point of view I really hope that they are thinking I think like they really are in drought mode so they're thinking about what this costs what production value are they getting out of it you know the value of the stock and is it all worth it they're really doing sums they're planning they're budgeting they're thinking ahead I just hope that the wheels don't fall off that when there's knee-high mm-hmm. green grass everywhere and um we all go back to just um like you know living the dream I hope that um, we get more out of that green grass and I hope we um, you know um, drive production in a smarter way um, aim for you know paramount animal health and animal welfare standards and um, we make more with what we've got and I do hope that the pain the drought was horrible it is horrible you know um, I hope that the pain of it goes away but I hope the lessons learnt remain in our minds and make us better farmers and better vets and better everything as a part of it. And I hope that um, the collegiality and the togetherness and the, you know, the fact that we all share and come together and talk to one another continues as well. We're all in it together. We are all in it together for the long run. Thanks very much for your time today, Jill. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dr Gillian Kelly there, LLS District Vet from the northwest of New South Wales, speaking there with Emily King. So this topic has been explored in previous episodes of The Yarn, and if you're interested, it may well be worth having a listen back to episode 114. But Gillian also presented in a recent webinar in the Back to Business webinar series to assist producers in getting back to business after drought, fire and floods, only in Australia. The Back to Business webinar series is a collaboration between AWI MLA, Sheep Connect New South Wales, and the Integrity Systems Company. So head to sheepconnectnsw.com.au for a really practical session on how to best deal with restocking and releasing sheep from containment. In fact, here's a little snippet of the content of this webinar that's been recorded. Dr Kelly here talking through some of the main reasons she gets called out after a drought. So things that can go wrong, in other words, reasons we need to ring the vet. Um, these are the things that we've seen recently, um, and we're, we're going to go into a bit more detail on some of the really common ones. I mean, after all, what's a presentation by a vet without a few gory picks? So, yeah, just roughly nitrate poisoning from all the green feed, metabolic problems, so low blood calcium, low blood magnesium, bloat if it's um, a of um, time of year when you get a lot of clover, pulpy kidney, plant poisonings, severe lameness, respiratory diseases and pneumonia, and water deprivation from stock who are put into um, new strange paddocks and they don't know where the trough is. Probably not such an issue with all this moist green feed around, but it does happen. 
Dr. Gillian Kelly on the Back to Business webinar, and that recording, of course, is at Sheep Connect New South Wales, which is AWI's extension service in New South Wales. So the Drought and Supplementary Feed Calculator, it's a free app from New South Wales DPI. It's been mentioned a bit in this podcast. Uh, obviously, don't be put off if you don't live in New South Wales. This app is a really great tool for anyone with livestock right across Australia. And another great app, also free, which can be used to keep track of your breeding new nutrition and feed budgeting, is the Lifetime New Management app. Now, this app, the LTEM app, has now had over 7,000 downloads and can, like the feed calculator, be found at the Google Play Store for Android and the App Store for Apple. So I hope today has been of use. It's uh, been fairly technical and detailed, but uh, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, we're Wool Innovation, and also Wool Innovation on Facebook, Beyond the Bale on Instagram, ideas and feedback always welcome as an email to theyarn at wool.com. But from me, Marius Cumming, thank you very much for having a yarn with us today and I look forward to your company again soon.